to follow him means that we're going to have to die to self. To follow him means we're going to have to be willing to give things up in this life. To follow him means that we're also going to have to be willing to die for him physically. And so these words that Jesus is saying here in John's gospel parallel the words he says in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, where he says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Whoever wishes to gain his life must be willing to lose his life. No cross, no crown. Jesus' call in chapter 12 is a challenge to all who would come after him as we continue with life's meaning and purpose, an in-depth study of the Gospel of John. Hello and welcome to the Transforming Lives Together podcast. With his gaze looking ahead to his inevitable death, Jesus knew what it would take to bring about the fruit of salvation. As the writer of the letter to the Hebrews wrote, For the joy set before him he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Christ's example of self-sacrifice and faithful devotion is not easy. In fact, it is impossible to follow without the Holy Spirit working in us to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose, as Paul writes in his letter to the Philippians. Still, he invites us to walk in the light, and that walking means choosing to deny ourselves and carry our cross, much like Jesus did only a few days later. Before we turn it over to Father Ward, we would like to say thank you for your time as you tune in each week. We pray you are blessed and encouraged by the content of this podcast. Please listen through to the end to learn how you can connect with this podcast and with all that is happening at St. Bartholomew's Anglican Church. And now, with this week's lesson in the Gospel of John, here is Father Ward. Now we see a group of folks called the Greeks. They would be Gentiles. And uh, during this feast of Passover, not only would you have Jewish pilgrims from all over the Roman Empire coming and converging on Jerusalem, but you'd also have Gentiles, proselytes. That would be Gentiles who converted to Judaism, as well as people who are just interested in the Jewish faith, who might want to become proselytes, just interested on the things of Yahweh. And so it's these people who inquire and want to get an audience with Jesus. So we read in verse 20, now there were some Greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast. These came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip came and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, now what's interesting is the them there is not distinguished as to who's the them. Is Jesus just talking to his disciples or is Jesus responding to the Gentiles that were asking about him? And my hunch is that it's Jesus answering the Gentiles because you think to yourself, what good would it be if Jesus just shares this with his disciples and doesn't share the message with the Gentiles who are interested in hearing about him. I can't imagine Jesus, someone asking to have an audience with Jesus who's sincerely trying to find out more about who he is and Jesus turning them down or ignoring them. So I believe that what Jesus is saying now is directed to these Gentiles. And you'll see why too. It makes perfect sense. Look at what Jesus says to them. Verse 23, 
The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So he's using the title the Son of Man, which is a messianic title. And he is saying that there is something going to happen that's going to glorify the Son. Verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Okay, so this event is death. Is Jesus' death. That's what He's talking about. And Jesus shares a principle about death from nature. We know from nature that you know something has to die for new life to come forth. And oftentimes, when something dies, even more life comes forth. And so often when we look at church history, it was because of the death of Christians who were willing to pay the ultimate price that many more came to faith. It's just a principle that happens. It's a principle that oftentimes when you die to even yourself, when you deny self, that's when you see the fullest potential of someone. That principle of dying to self or saying no, that principle of denial is essential if, we're going, if you are to grow in any type of skill or profession or if you're going to maximize your potential physically. It's the same thing spiritually and it's the same thing relationally and it's the same thing when it comes to the community, to the church, to building the kingdom of God. Life, full life, doesn't follow unless there's death. Now, that's part of the curse, but that's the beauty of God. That God will take the curse and He'll reverse it. God will take life and bring life from it. God will take a bad situation and cause good to come from that bad situation. That's the grace and mercy of God at work. That's a principle. And Jesus embodies that by saying that He is going to die and a result, as the result of His death, not only is it going to impact the Jewish Nation, but it's going to impact the entire world. Let's keep reading. So if it dies, it bears much fruit. Verse 25, He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So before he talks about what his death is going to accomplish, he then talks about what it means to follow Him. To follow Him means that we're going to have to die to self. To follow Him means we're going to have to be willing to give things up in this life. To follow Him means that we're also going to have to be willing to die for Him physically. And so these words that Jesus is saying here in John's Gospel parallel the words He says in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, where he says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Whoever wishes to gain his life must be willing to lose his life. And if we want to follow Jesus, following Jesus means serving Jesus, and it means serving others. So it shouldn't surprise us that in the next chapter, Jesus gives them the example of true love by washing their feet. And as we read in Luke's Gospel, Jesus says, don't think that I've come to lord it over you like the Gentiles. I've come to serve. And if anyone wants to be great in the kingdom of God, he must be servant of all. 
And notice that Jesus says, if anyone serves Me, the Father will honor him. If anyone loses their life, their life will be gained. They will have blessing from the Father. If anyone suffers for Me, they will be glorified. That's exactly what Jesus does. He suffers for us. He serves us. He dies for us. And He's glorified by His Father. That old saying, no cross, no crown. That's why we'll we'll hear from the Apostle Paul this Sunday that he wants to, Paul writes about sharing in the power of Jesus' resurrection, but also in the fellowship of his sufferings. That the Christian life is not all about, you know, everything's going right. The health, wealth, and prosperity gospel is alive. It doesn't mean there won't be health and wealth and prosperity as you follow the Lord, but that's not always going to be. There are going to be rough times. doesn't mean you're always going to be healthy. Verse 27, Now my soul has become troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. So Jesus is distressed within. He's having to realize that He's now come to the end of His mission. It's going to be very difficult and it's, he's expressing what was in his heart that was then fully shown when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane is not found in John, but rather what preceded it. The prayer of Gethsemane is found in the synoptics. But remember, what did Jesus say? If it be possible, he says, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will be done, but your will be done. So he, he goes through that struggle, which we all do, right? There's that struggle. Are we going to waver? Are we going to turn? Are we going to be able to persevere? Press on. We know that Jesus did. He did press on, but it wasn't without a struggle. That's why we read in Hebrews that for the joy set before Him, Jesus endured the cross. And He despised the shame for the joy of what He knew would be the result of Him going to the cross. To not just give us an example, but to actually deal once and for all with the problem of human sin and guilt. And notice where Jesus ends in terms of how He gets through this difficult conflict, struggle. Verse 28, Father, glorify Your name. And then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it. So the crowd of people who stood by and heard it were saying that it had thundered. Others were saying, and an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice has not come for my sake, but for your sakes. Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. So what Jesus is saying is that the world is under judgment. The world's judgment will be made known and the evil of man will be made known fully when we put Him to the cross. But even as Jesus is put to the cross, the ruler of this world, that will be the devil. And remember, the devil literally means the accuser. Satan means adversary. Devil means accuser. Uh, uh, Lucifer is both. That the devil will no longer be able to accuse man of his guilt. 
because of what Jesus does on the cross. Before Jesus went on the cross, the devil rightfully could say, these people that you made in your image who have defied you deserve death. They are guilty. They have no reason or there's no legal reason for them for you to continue to bless them because they defied your name and you're a holy God. You don't lie. And you said, surely you will die. But now with Jesus going to the cross, that guilt has been extinguished in Him. We're no longer under judgment. Jesus said earlier in John's Gospel, we've passed from judgment to life when we trust in Him and what the Son has done for us and what the Son does for us. And so Jesus pronounces judgment upon the devil, but He also says something else. He says, And I, if I am lifted up, verse 32, from earth will draw all men to Myself. So when He says, I am lifted up, He's, he's referring to His death on the cross. But He is stating one reason why I believe Jesus is who He said He is, is what other figure in world history has commanded a greater response and following than Jesus Christ? Even the religions of the world who don't follow Jesus as the Son of God, as the way, the truth, and the life, respect Jesus. Even the most secular folks, except for your ardent crazies and your people who are really just rabid atheists, most people respect Jesus because they see in Him incredible wisdom. They see in Him incredible love. He's unique. There's something about Jesus. Jesus said, I will draw all men to Myself. And when He was saying that, not only was He highlighting the impact that He would have on all of human history and on all people, now, of course, if you never hear about Jesus, you can't be drawn to Him, right? That's why we get the Gospel out. But He was also highlighting the fact that He is the Savior of all peoples, both Jew and Gentile alike. All men, not just Jewish men, women and children, but all men, women, and children. But He was saying this to indicate the kind of death by which He was to die. The crowd that answered Him, we have heard out of the law that the Christ is to remain forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, for a little while longer the light is among you. Walk while you have the light so that darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become sons of the light. So Jesus again is declaring that He is this light. That if we want to escape the darkness of this world, the darkness of not knowing what is right and what is wrong, not knowing what is true and what is false, we simply need to turn to Jesus Christ. These things Jesus spoke and He went away and hid Himself from them. But though He had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in Him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet which He spoke, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? That's from Isaiah 53.1. For this reason they could not believe. For Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and He hardened their heart so that they would not see with their eyes and perceive with their heart and be converted and I heal them. 
Now, sometimes people will look at this, and certainly for those who like to highlight the sovereignty of God, they would argue that it is God who blinds the people, but God doesn't blind anyone. People are blinded by their own deceit. The fact of the matter is that when someone turns away from the light, you've heard me use this analogy before, that if you're in a tunnel and you see a light in the far off distance, if you turn away from that light, you will just go into further darkness. If you start walking towards that light, it becomes brighter and brighter, and by the time you get to it, you'll be able to see all around you. So too spiritually, when one turns away from the truth of God, there is no hope. What God does then is allow their heart to be further hardened. The Bible talks about hardness of heart. That happens when you turn away from the light. What little light you're given is then taken away from you. That is why the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. It's why the prophet Isaiah also declared the Spirit of the Lord speaking through him. Isaiah says these words, if I can find them here in your notes. While you have the uh, light, well, Jesus said, while you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become sons of the light. But Isaiah 55, 6 says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. So the end of this chapter, as we continue reading, Jesus is basically highlighting the choice that the people have and recognizing that a good number of them are going to continue to refuse to believe. And because they continue to refuse to believe, there is no hope for them. They remain in their sins. They remain under judgment. Let's keep reading. Verse 41, These things Isaiah said because he saw his glory and he spoke of him. So who's his glory? Isaiah, even though he lived about eight centuries before the time of Christ, saw pictures of the coming of this Messiah, this anointed one that... God had granted him. And then God, through the Holy Spirit, spoke through Isaiah to the kings, to the priests, to the people, to both kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah, but more importantly to the entire world as a witness so that we would see that God was at work predicting the coming of Jesus centuries before. It's a way to strengthen our faith now, 2,000 years later after the time of Christ. Nevertheless, many, even of the rulers, believed in Jesus, verse 42, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. Nicodemus would be one such example, Joseph of Arimathea too, and others, and eventually they came around. But the reason why this is put in here, and again, it, the authenticity of the Gospels are highlighted. In fact, the authenticity of all of God's Word is highlighted because of its honest depiction of human beings and what we struggle with. One of the greatest struggles that a Christian will have to face is whether or not to be public about his or her faith. Because to be public with his or her faith will then put you under the scrutiny of peer, your peers. Will peer pressure keep us from bearing witness fully? Will uh, the threat of our standing before others being affected? How will that cause us? That's why when these people like to say, well, my faith is private. Or your faith is private. I just want to keep it to myself. I don't want to talk about any of these things. That's not... The Bible says to proclaim it from the rooftops the good news of salvation. Jesus said you don't put a light under a bushel. If salt has lost its flavor, it's good for nothing. Throw it out. 
If the vine isn't producing fruit, cut it out. Cut it down. The tree, not producing the figs, cut it down. The vine, not producing, cut those bad branches. Pretty clear. Verse 44, And Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in Me does not believe in Me, but in Him who sent Me. He who sees Me sees the One who sent Me. Notice the repetition. Almost every other chapter, Jesus in John's Gospel is bringing us back to the fact that He is one with the Father. You see Him, you see the Father. You know Him, you know the Father. I have come as a light into the world so that everyone who believes in Me will not remain in the darkness. Anyone hears My sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge Him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Jesus came the first time to save. He's coming the second time to judge. Not the first time. Comes to save. Comes to deal with the problem of sin. Comes to give us the ability to pass from judgment to life, to be no longer guilty. But notice what he says in verse 48. Who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. Jesus can't deny himself. Jesus can't deny the truth of his word. So if someone says, no, you're not the son of God. Someone says, no, I won't believe you. Someone says, your words are false. Really? You think God's going to allow that into his kingdom? Come on. Verse 49, for I did not speak on my own initiative, but the father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. I know that His commandment is eternal life, therefore the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. So three re-emphases or whatever, right? He and the Father are one. I trust in Him. It's eternal life, but that life is wrapped up in following Him. And if I'm truly following Jesus, I am following what He says and does. Just going back to the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd leads His sheep and they follow Him. Jesus paves the way for us. He never asks us to do anything that He hasn't first demonstrated in His own life. And He says that He will be with us always, even to the end of the age. One of the reasons why Jesus said He was faithful in the little things will be faithful in much. And Jesus said, don't expect your Father in Heaven to bless you with spiritual things if you can't handle little earthly things. There's an important principle to be had here. And that is that if someone can't get it right with this little stuff, with the world, do you think God's going to give them supernatural power in the next realm? No. It's very logical. But why aren't people logical? Well, they're like sheep without a shepherd. But ultimately, they're not logical because they don't open their heart to the light of God. Because unless I open my heart to the light of God, then I'm not going to be able to see any clearer. I'm going to remain in the darkness. I'm going to be an ignorant fool. And that's why in the Bible it's pretty clear. You're either faithful or you're a fool. Only two choices. It's only Jesus who can make us faithful. All right, well, let's pray. The Lord be with you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for Your Word and we thank You for Your Son Jesus and Your Holy Spirit. Thank You for my brothers and sisters here. Help us to uh, take to heart what we heard tonight. Help us to remember... Uh, what Jesus went through for, for, for all of us. And more importantly, that um, following Him is a day-to-day -day relationship with You. Help us to uh, not take things for granted, but make the most of every opportunity, knowing that uh, we are walking in the light and that our time here on earth is not that long. 
uh, and that uh, eternity awaits us. So help us to make the most of every day, to be grateful for all that you've given us, to build on what we already know to be true, to grow further in the faith, and to demonstrate your love in action and how we treat those around us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the Transforming Lives Together podcast, a ministry of St. Bartholomew's Anglican Church in Tonawanda, New York. For more information about the church, including a list of our service times, please visit our website at stbartston.org. Again, that's stbartston.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave us a five-star rating or a positive review. Both will help in reaching more people with this podcast. If you're on Facebook, head over to facebook.com slash Transforming Lives Together Podcast and give us a like. And if you're an Amazon Alexa user, say, Hey Alexa, play the Transforming Lives Together Podcast to hear the latest episodes. We hope you will tune in next time as we continue with Life's Meaning and Purpose, an in-depth study of the Gospel of John. Until then, we leave you with these verses from Paul's letter to the Philippians. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. God bless.